0: All right, welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana.
1: And I'm Ryan McLaughlin. And with us today is Dr. Michael Torrance, the president of Montlow State Community College. Dr. Torrance, it's an honor to have you on today. Uh, Ryan, Adam,
2: it's good to see you all this morning. I'm excited about the conversation.
1: We feel Absolutely, good. so are we. Good, Ryan. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, Dr. Torrance, we know that you've got a bunch of exciting things going on in the ed tech space at Montlo State. and uh, we would love for you to just begin by telling our listeners a little bit about what y'all have going on. Oh, I don't know if we have, a, a, we have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> we got all well, the time that you have, Dr. Torrance.
2: Perfect, perfect. Well, uh, to the listeners out there, we're, we're happy to have you join us here on, on this on this podcast this morning. Uh, at Motlow State Community College, uh, we have uh, jumped off of the, the ledge and we are free-falling with the use of technology in the strategic tactical, assess, fail fast, and retry again for success uh, mannerism. What that means is that in the last couple of years, the last 30 months, we put in two XR academies. Uh, We have trained our faculty on the use of OER. We have introduced the concept of information communication technology, and we are thoroughly running down and chasing the rabbit. And the rabbit is, how does the vertical integration of technology improve the human condition? Now, what that means is that it can be just about anything, but today we're going to focus on uh, virtual reality and augmented reality and extended reality for the purposes of the conversation. But we can go anywhere you guys want to go. That's
0: exciting. That's exciting. I feel like there are a couple of things that are uh, barriers in the K-12 space. At the college level, what are the challenges uh, to selling faculty on
2: the use of virtual reality? Well, I think it just begins with comfort. You know, when you have gone through the uh, bureaucratic ritualism of the higher education hierarchy, right? You learn to do things this way. And once you get out into the field, um, you have become accommodated and complacent because you know your ritualism works this way to to produce successful graduates, right? A student leaves my class with the appropriate objectives met, competencies met, prepared for the next iteration of this course. Right. So you're 10, 20 to 20, 20 to 30, 20 to 40, 20, and you graduate. Now, introducing faculty to it, the challenge has been obviously COVID, but now we take that out of out of play. We say you don't have to be tethered. I'll send it to you in the mail in a box. Um, so the the communication component of it has been a challenge for us because we're talking about infusing technology across all domains. And some may feel that technology doesn't have a place in domains, but uh, the last time I checked, I don't know a human being on the planet, um, at least in the sphere that I work within, that doesn't have that personal computer called their cell phone in their pockets. That's so right. that, that's that's where we begin with. And the, the other way that we've segued the challenge is that, We have to know that we meet people where they are. And when I say that, it has to be personalized. So the personalized learning component, so IEPs, right? Um, Adam, you know about those, Ryan, you know about those. For sure. Individualized educational programs, specifically have been focused on those who are underserved, those who are gifted, and those who need special education. Well, through these kinds of mediums, we met them where they were. We talked about the relationships between them and their grandchildren. We talked about the relationships between them and their next door neighbors. Um, And and that has allowed people to move from buy-in to belief because we don't want people to buy in here at Motlow. We want you to believe in it because when you buy something, you'll sell it. But when you believe
1: in it, you'll run through the wall for it. Wow. There you go. Dr. Torres, will you say a little bit more about what you all are doing in the XR space? Yeah, absolutely. So
2: um, as we are... Socially distancing appropriately and and, uh, making sure that Motlow State Community Colleges is the safe. It's safer than going to Walmart and Chick-fil-A here in the South. What we have created are spaces for us to invite um, our colleagues from K-12, through pre-K, elementary, middle, uh, as well as uh, the state of Tennessee's, specifically agencies. So Department of Labor, Department of Health, uh, the Secretary of State. Uh, Our elected representatives, um, economic and community development, as well as OEMs, Nissan, Bridgestone, um, Chambers of Commerce, uh, Rotary Clubs. So basically, you see, I'm inviting all our kin and cousins uh, to come in and see our labs. The reason being is that meeting people where they are again, we needed people not to just read about the power of XR. We needed them to come and experience it and then talk to them from where they think it can be used based on their lens. And it has to be an immersive educational experience or an, uh, an advanced uh, experiential uh, educational experience. And, and how about this one for uh, the educators out there? There is nothing in terms of a difference or variance in between education and skill development. They are braided together. And the sooner and the more that we do that together, when we braid both education and skill, uh, we're, we're, we're going to set the, set the world on fire again. I love it. That's tremendous.
0: I love it. Let me ask you this: um, you know, there are there are labs that are focused on curating content and trying to find the very best content, and there are labs that are focused on having the students own the means of production, uh, actually building out experiences. Where are you guys falling on that spectrum? What percentage of your students are focused on developing VR applications? What percentage of your students are focused on curating content? And how do you see that split evolving uh, in the vision you have for Motlow State over the course of the next couple of years?
2: Okay, so, so we have hungry hands here. And, and when I say that, I mean that we want to, to be uh, successful and equitable in both. Uh, Because until you get into this medium, you really can't make a determination on, well, I think I want to be a world builder, or I want to deal with the sonic sound components of it, um, or I want to simply curate content, right? Um, So what we're finding is introducing students, faculty, and community members into this, this space of the omniverse or metaverse, until they're in it. they. Don't know what they can and want to do because this is a space like anything else. We want you to be passionate about the path that you take. So we're also looking at this from a component of not just going down the line of credentialing through a degree pathway, but going down the line of getting the the particular, um, I guess we could call them certificates uh, to check off boxes. I need to know, and we are working with through our institutions and partners, what does the industry seek from a person that comes in to do, to do the first level of work that's necessary and then scaffold it right scaffold it so that they can move into bigger and better projects so we want to give students that well-rounded experience for for the lack of a better phrase where they can get introduced to the concepts early before they get to us as a dual enrollment student potentially and then when they are in the space through apprenticeships, co-ops, uh, on the job training. And let's break some things, to be honest with you. Uh, you. Until you break some things, you don't know how successful you can be with it, right? So we want yeah. them to fail. And that's why I mentioned before, we want them to fail, too. But they want to, we want them to fail fast so they can fix it.
1: Dr. Torrance, I'm a huge fan of community colleges. I was a dual enrollment student myself when I was in high school. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the importance of a community college leading the way in terms of ed tech and being a great example for other institutes of higher learning.
2: Well, I'm a little biased, I will suppose. Uh, I believe in higher education. I believe in education. I believe in training. Uh, I believe in credentials. I believe in degree pathways. But community colleges are unique in the fact of their agility uh, to meet employer needs and to meet partner needs. And those partners, they're far and wide in terms of who we work with. We work with everyone from water treatment, focused on sustainability, um, solar and energy, uh, to uh, someone who wants to build an electric car with, uh, with, with Nissan. So I look at what we do every day as being part of the social and uh, economic engine within the communities that we serve. And you know, because things can be utilized in this XR space through the omniverse and metaverse, we don't have a ceiling. We don't have invisible borders. Uh, so long as someone is willing to come and learn from a, a community college, you can get to us. Uh, we have this literal smorgasbord of, of offerings that's available now digitized uh, because of COVID, but these things were in place prior to COVID as well. Uh, we didn't wake up on uh, in March and decide that, hey, we need to, to build an XR lab. We knew that that's where learning was going to take place. Additionally, thinking about community colleges and our ability to be agile, as we think about learning management systems, student management systems, business management systems, uh, and the like, we look at the, the equity and the accessibility that can be provided through uh, these platforms through XR. Uh, that's the beauty of it from for my vantage point. And I'm a little bit uh, of a champion uh, for it. Uh, and I will, and I, will, I will sing it from, from the top of uh, the mountains that this is a, a hub, not the hub, because it will really sure. evolve as well. It'll evolve as well. But it is a hub to meet the needs that we have in society right now.
0: Michael I'm I'm uh, you know I I play a little bit of the uh, bad cop on this podcast and um, <laughs> I I have to I have to tell you I think there is a I see history repeating itself in this in this XR space and that I think there'll be another great debate uh not unlike our our friend uh, WB and 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 uh, Booker T Washington is this movement going to be led by uh the, the, the hallowed halls of Silicon Valley? Or do you think that there's a way for uh, the most pragmatic among us, the, the community colleges, the, um, the places that are um, trying to put people in the workforce? Where do you think, if, you're, if you put your futurist hat on, where do you think the, the, the point of the spear, the vanguard, will come from? Will it come from the talented 10th? Or will it be more of a uh, uh, let's sell what's on the truck this week?
2: Well, you know, I love the examples that you've given here. You've, you've taken <laughs> me back to my my sociology class at seven thirty at, at South Dakota State uh, in nineteen ninety
0: six. Okay, you know rolled <laughs> up. You know how to get your <laughs>
2: look. You got me rocking and everything. You Got me rocking and everything. No, um, I think that the B and C students. The pragmatists, right? That's the student that creates what's applicable, and I'm not saying that the A student cannot. I'm saying your A student simply looks at more of your strategic implementation, um, and then they both do vision casting, right? But but that's what I've noticed about the students that I've come across for the last twenty six years. My B and C students, they build it so that it works, and yes, they back the truck up and say, "I'm selling this right now." My A students. They're more looking towards the strategic and the, not that you can't lead from where you are, but they're wearing the suit. And they're saying, here's the strategic approach to it. We need to build it so it fits this paradigm. Now, the wrinkle in that is, what do you do when you get a B student that ends up becoming the A student's boss, right? So we're trying to figure out, and I'm that B student, by the way. Um, so you, you, you have to build based on what's tangible and, and what's tactile because the A student needs to see that it is going somewhere, someplace, while keeping at bay those folks who want to go out and sing it from the mountaintops that, hey, we have something to push out and it's ready to go. Further, and I'll just throw this in as an aside, when we talk about, I've stopped talking about diversity as it comes to information communication technologies and technology period, because. I'm moving and evolving as a human being to the space of equity and inclusion. And equity and inclusion is about everybody. And whether we like it or not, if we look at something from the basis of a lens and say that someone did something to me, and then we repeat what that someone did to us, what makes us any different than those who we say have oppressed us, right? Or have not included us in the code and the building of the games. So when we talk about a seat at the table, And I'm glad you you two have asked this question. Silicon Valley versus a community college. I'm not begging or asking Silicon Valley, can I come sit at your table? We're going to build our own table and we're going to do it from where we are. So I think that that's a different kind of approach. It's not right or wrong. um, But I don't need them to sign off on the fact that I have a terminal degree, just like they do. We can do it from where we are and I fully believe in the Southeastern part of the United States. We bloom where we're planted, baby. I love
0: it. It's powerful. So, so, Ryan, I have to give a quick plug. My buddy Ryan has just taken an amazing opportunity uh, to no, be the not. director at To Move Mountains, which is an initiative in the Nuba Mountain regions in the Sudan. And so, you know, there is this spectrum of Silicon Valley to Matlow State to a place that doesn't even have electricity. You know, in 1992, we had 2 million folks on the internet. Today, we have 4 billion. How do you see uh, your role being a bridge when we talk about the pedagogy of the oppressed, being a bridge between the vanguard of this amazing technology that can open up opportunities of equity and inclusion and economic empowerment to places in the diaspora that don't even have running water and electricity? Dr. Torrance, how do we get... How do we get this thing off just this continent in this context and get it to places that are emerging like Africa?
2: We we do the converse of what the three of us are doing this morning. We stop talking about it and we take action to make it intentional. Wow. This is about being, this is is about being purpose driven. And at the end of the day, when someone says, well, why are you doing what you're doing? Well, I've, I've got a son and a daughter that are watching everything that I do and I, as I say, I'm not perfect. I'm not doing it the best way. I'm doing the best way I know how. And when I find a better way or when I'm introduced to a better way, we, we, we implement it. So we move away from simply having the dialogue about the diaspora um, and the dialogue about the disconnect. We have to move away from simple dialogue that has been circuitous uh, for over 500 years when we talk about access and all these other things, right? Let's move away from a circuitous dialogue to a linear dialogue conversation that has touch points about we're going to get this done next week, we're going to get this done next month, we're going to get this done next year, and hold ourselves accountable for implementation and utilization of the uh, the greatness that's available through the talent pool that we don't even know about uh, in these places. Imagine all of the things that are going to happen when we get those kids uh, and those adults that are transitioning and learning these new Platforms. Imagine what's gonna happen, what they can do for growing uh, the, this, this enterprise.
1: That's tremendous. Dr. Torrance, what do you think the future looks like? Where's EdTech landing for you and for Motlow State in five years? Well,
2: five years from now, if, if you'd asked me that eight months ago, nine months ago, I would have said something completely different than, than I'm gonna say right now. Um, as much as I love technology, I, I want to make sure that five years from now, we have created balance for ourselves in the use of technology uh, and how we've exercised and braided technology to permeate our everyday lives with the component of we are still human and people still need people. Uh, and I know that's probably, that's, that's backwards too, but you, you don't, if you like peanut butter and jelly, and I love it, um, you, you can't really make a really good peanut butter. And jelly sandwich, if you don't have your angel, jelly, right? Um, right. And, and you really can't make it if you don't have the kind of bread that you like. So making sure that as we continue to move future forward with ed tech and how ed tech is impacting um, and uh, evolving all, all uh, domains within a workspace and learning space, training space and uh, innovation space. So, we're, we're going to tie ourselves to a couple of concepts here uh, TILT, which is teaching, innovation, learning, and training, as well as STEAM. And, and STEAM is spelled S T E A cubed. And the, the, the three A's are aviation, agribusiness, and art. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And then we have the M, obviously, for mathematics. And then because I'm an English major, we, we, we put a B at the end of that with the little E inside of parentheticals. Uh, and the B is because business is usually silent when it comes to supporting education. But we want the B to be business as entrepreneurship. Because as you've alluded to, as we go to different uh, tropes and different uh, groups of people and different continents, we have to be able to give them skill sets that allow them to build uh, their own tables. And create their own uh, wealth structures and move away from generational poverty. This platform for me really is a way to address uh, homelessness, food insecurity, and generational poverty. Uh, because you're gonna give people skills that are gonna be utilized across all domains. What you learn how to do in Unity and Unreal Engine and other proprietary engines when you build. You can move into cyber defense for a healthcare corporation, or you can say, I want to work on the back end systems at Subway to make sure no one's jacking into uh, their, their systems uh, or Zoom. Think about the Zoom and MS team uh, uh, breaks that we've had. So the, the, the uh, ecosystem, right, uh, is going to be as broad uh, and, and, and strong as, as we desire to make it. So, so that's what I see us doing over the next five years you know obviously we're going to keep growing and, and hopefully being on not just the cutting edge but the bleeding edge and then as i said before jumping off of the uh the ledge of just free falling uh, so that we can test fail break uh, reconstitute and, and and help our communities move forward so that's what i see us doing for the next five years
1: so, That's tremendous.
0: So one of the things that that has made the news nationally about uh, the work you all have done in in, in Tennessee is that, um, you know, many students, from an equity perspective, can get a an associate's degree for free now because this is funding uh, these opportunities. So the government has, has made an investment in the state of Tennessee to empower people. What you've offered at Montlow is this opportunity to get skills in virtual reality and augmented reality and, and, and mixed reality to get access to them completely for free. And that is, to me, incredibly radical. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. Is that mission completely in Tennessee? Are there ways that students outside the state of Tennessee can get access to a world-class virtual reality training uh, for free?
2: For free if you are not a county that's adjacent because we have reciprocity rules uh, in the state of Tennessee. So um, bordering counties of the state of Tennessee uh, that are south, east, west, and north of us, they can still, uh, they could potentially benefit from, from those, from those uh, opportunities through Tennessee Reconnect, Tennessee Strong, and Tennessee Promise. So what you're alluding to is Tennessee Promise, where our high school students drop in. Uh, Tennessee Strong is for Tennessee Air National Guards persons. So if you sign up to be a Guards member in the state of Tennessee, you can get access uh, to this community college, cutting edge uh, education as well. And then the reconnect is for our adults, so those who are uh, in between jobs or want to leave a job to move into a new industry. So we have these three buckets uh, that that people can get involved in. And, And, you know, I think that Tennessee is on the map because of what we've done through education and the success that we've had in moving our our needle so to speak in terms of completion engagement and now more importantly bringing business and industry in uh, so that people
1: can go to work that's tremendous We usually reserve this question for the
0: very end but i'm gonna jump in here before ryan gets to the speed round. you know you have been a thought leader and and you've been Someone with incredible courage, um, and, and you don't need to, your ego stroked, but I think it's important for our audience to know that. What do you know to be true about the community college business that your colleagues that are presidents and chancellors in other uh, areas and other schools and other states would disagree with you on?
2: That our students are the best, and that having faculty members who live in the area and go to church with, shop at grocery stores with, uh, have kids riding bicycles alongside the students and skin their knee and may have babysat the students that are coming to be in our classrooms with, that they're the best and the brightest of the bunch. And I believe in an applied approach to the use of our theoretical underpinnings. We can talk all day about utilizing um, prescriptive and or of polysyllabic terminology to make ourselves sound more than we are but at the end of the day this is about people and people need approaches that are applied and useful in their everyday lives so they can earn a living feed themselves have a place to sleep and just be you know participatory in their communities Um, i don't know that people would agree with me when i say that our students are the best because everybody believes that their students are the best uh, but I know how braided and connected this community is. Um, so that's what I know about us as a community college. But the business component of it is there is no ceiling but the roof. And when we do what we do, there is no disconnect. There is an industry in which a community college cannot work with, work through, um, and partner with so long as they are akin to the values that we espouse um, and, and you know we believe, we believe in that and, and, and you know that's not a buy-in kind of thing we believe in that That's why I started with uh, most of my conversations with any industry we work with and I talk about uh, we believe in service before self, excellence in everything we do and integrity. That's where we're starting our conversations when we partner with the business or an industry. Because if that's not where we are, if, if we're just trying to get people to come um, and get a job, we're not interested in that. We're interested in creating opportunities for our students to have a career. And, and those are two different conversations. Um, I'm thankful for the for the big box uh, industries that we have in the state of Tennessee, like Amazon, Nissan, Bridgestone, Swans, but I'm also just as thankful for the mom and pops and the entrepreneurs that start businesses, that give people an opportunity to cut their teeth and, and really be as successful as they want to be in, in this capitalistic new economy that we have emerging out of co- uh, post-COVID. So uh, I guess that's, that would be my answer. We, that's a great question, by the way. Like uh, I, I've got like 15 different things going on in my head with that one. I'd love to talk offline some more about that one well. We need to write something
0: about let me, that. Let me push you that's a little bit. Since you're since you liked that question, if we had yeah. to talk about it in the in the in the uh, in the framework of technology and specifically extended reality, what do you know about extended reality based on your test cases and based on your field research that your colleagues in community colleges would disagree with you on?
2: I would say that they may not agree with me that how we can leverage it. And so when you live in this world, when you live in this reality, and you only experience this reality, um, it's like wearing a pair of Nikes and then putting on a pair of uh, zips. I don't know if people remember zips, but but these were a, a, a lower-cost shoe. We,
0: yeah. we call that, where I'm from, we call that boo-boo. We
2: call it boo-boo. Boo-boo. <laughs> boo-boo. <laughs> 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 okay, so the boo-boos. <laughs> so, 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 so from Nikes to, to boo-boos, uh, so so the, the variance between those is like, you don't know until you know. And until I can get my colleagues to experience it, right? to be immersed in the XR space and see that through Digital twinning, you can save money upfront uh, to optimize uh, what you're gonna build, optimize what you're gonna research and then ask for those funds that you need. You're gonna get more than you need so you can build a better product. Um, You can use digital twinning and RFID uh, not to uh, have oversight of your employees, but I'd really love to know when do the employees that recruit students work best? Do they work best from 7 a.m. to 10 10, 10 a.m.? Or do they work best from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m.? Well, if they work best from 10 to 6, why do I have them coming in before they're ready to come to work, right? So the, the, the idea that what we do, shouldn't be uh, framed just on the way we've always done it and that we need to look at circadian rhythms we need to look at digital 20 and we need to look at optimizing for effectiveness and efficiency for the success of our organizations because when we do that we're doing our jobs meeting our mission of being open access for the success of others in the
1: places that we serve so that's my two cents that's tremendous Dr. Torrance, we like to end with a segment we call the Furious Five, and it's just going to be five questions that, to be perfectly honest with you, have nothing to do with what we've talked about today. This is just getting to know you. Uh, Fun questions that we try to shoot for like, you know, just one or two sentence answers. So first question in the Furious Five, what's the best movie or TV show that you've watched recently? Oh, Mandalorian. Nice. Nice. My son and I are Mandalorian fans. We haven't started season two yet, though. Is it good? Does it live up to the promise of the first season? It's better. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Tremendous. All right. Question number two. What's the best meal you've eaten recently? Uh,
2: Probably the bowl of cereal I had
1: last night because I
2: didn't like cooking anything. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) What was that type of cereal? Uh, It
1: was raisin nut bran. There you go. I, I I love raisins. I love raisins. There you go. There you go. Question number three: If you were stuck on a desert island with any book, what would it be and why? Uh, it'd be Jazz by Toni Morrison um, because
2: I believe in the improper improvisation of life, and I think that would keep me a little bit sane if I'm stuck on an island by myself. There you know, you go. just just reading through through, through that uh, through that text. So that that'll be the book.
1: There you go. I like it. I like it. Question number four, what's your favorite piece of technology and why? Uh,
2: It's in my back seat and I don't leave home without it. I thought to bring it up here today, but I was running behind. So uh, it is my Quest uh, headset uh, that I have in in the car. And I'm still waiting on my next gen uh, of the the Oculus to to get here. Um, And if I have to throw in a second one, it'll be the PS5 that I have forthcoming that my son doesn't know about that I'm going to play first. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) He's got to wait his turn. I like it. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) All right. Last but certainly not least, if you had to choose between fighting one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses, what would you pick and why? I'd pick the
2: 100 versus the one uh, because I'm just built like that. I want to destroy more than one. There you go.
1: There you go. There okay, you go. So, so we, we'll, for for the record, I consider that to be the correct answer, by the way. <laughs> uh,
0: so so we, uh, you know, we've asked you a lot of questions. We'll we'll end the show today with an opportunity for a turnaround. If you could ask, uh, you know, K twelve teachers uh, who are specializing in this technology and who are thinking about ed tech. Any question, what would that question be? How can we build a living adaptive system for
2: training as well as learning and professional development that encompasses our entire ecosystem so that we can do what we do better for the students that we serve and the communities that we support? How
1: do we do Uh that? Well, Ryan. That's a tremendous question.
0: You know what you need to do in the NUBA region, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, that's
2: <laughs> it. It's just oh giving goodness.
0: you the insight of how to create the most valuable thing. You know, it's interesting. Um, I love I love uh, what you've said and, and you've answered that question in some ways. In some ways, you know, it needs to be this kind of multi-pronged approach that allows for the table to be built. You know, it's the old, uh, old adage around... Um, giving people fish versus teaching them how to fish. You know, the root, right. the root of that answer, Dr. Torrance, is about empowerment and it's been inspiring to see how you have empowered your community and the work that you've done. Um, where can our listeners follow you? How can they continue to cheer you on and how can we best support you uh, in your mission going forward?
2: Well, um, I'm on LinkedIn and that's been my medium. You know, Two and a half years ago, before I started this job, I didn't have any social media and I knew that I needed a space to like share the success that our institution was having. And so that's where I place everything and I'm someone who does respond. So if someone sends me a message and they wanna get together and do a Zoom or MS Teams or Google Hangout or get on the phone like old school, let's get on the phone and talk, um, I'm happy to do it. So you know, get on Zoom and follow me, excuse me, get on, get on LinkedIn and follow me. Uh, We have a Twitter account for me. Uh, I have somebody that helps me with that uh, because some of those Twitter feeds, they can be uh, out of this world. And I just figure I don't want my fingers touching any of that. (laughs)
0: That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) All right, guys. You know where to follow him. Uh, I'm going to be sending you a carrier pigeon, real old school. I'm sending.
1: <laughs> <it. laughs> Doctor Torrance, thank you so much. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure speaking with you today, and we uh, we're just so excited to have you on today. Hey, my pleasure.
2: And you know, Adam, Brian, I can't thank you enough for giving me an opportunity to just answer some great questions and and do what I love doing with other human beings: laugh a little, talk a little, and
1: it's time to go to work. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's Have right. A great day. Take care. Hey, here. You guys too. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you.